20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Packaday Podcast, your one-stop shop for all news and analysis of green and gold. Mike Willen here with Tyler Grezegorik. And Tyler, it's almost the dawn of a new year in the NFL. The Packers have made a couple of moves. Some trades have been made. Some free agents have been agreed to with deals. And there's a lot going on as this weekend approaches. So, But first, Tyler, how's everything going down there? Yeah, it's starting to get a little bit warmer down here. We're uh, starting to get into March, so obviously that means 80-degree weather. But... Uh, I'm I'm just excited for the free agency period to begin because, uh, you know, once free agency is done, that means the draft is right around the corner. I'm just ready for all of that. So it's going to be a great offseason for the Packers. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I just can't wait for it to all get started. No, I agree. It's going to be a great time. A new year will start on Wednesday at about 4 o'clock Eastern time, 3 o'clock Central. But before that, don't forget, folks, also check out Packaday Podcast at Packaday Podcast on Twitter, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Sound. SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found, we're there as well. With Tyler and myself and Andy and all of the great contributors we have over the every every day for 365 days a year. But taking a look at, at the Packers, there's a couple, I guess, minor moves that were made today. They're not exactly huge moves. Uh, the first one, Robert Tanyan, he's gonna be coming back. The official, uh, he got his exclusive rights tender of $570,000, so that guarantees that he will be under contract for next year. So with with big Bob on his way back to uh, to to the green and gold. I guess Tyler, is that a big deal, or is that or is that just kind of a minor thing to you? I think it's just kind of one of those checks. When we finished the 2018 season, I think a lot of people expected Tanyan to be back, and I think that's why more fans were clamoring for him to get more playing time towards the end of the year because they wanted to see what they actually had in him. But obviously the coaching staff saw enough, even though the coaching staff has pretty much been supplanted and replaced. Uh, Gutekunst, I guess, saw enough to give him another contract and give him yet another shot to become a relevant player on this team. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in, in Robert Tanyan a little bit, just because just he's gotten some good raise from some of the coaching staff and from his teammates. I know Jimmy Graham speaks very highly of him, so did Mercedes Lewis and Lance Kendricks. We'll see if those two get even looked at to come back as well. But I do think that there's something there that they could maybe work with, but he does need to continue to improve as like he did last year. He needs to take that next step again in 2019. But with him back, that also meant that a Packer is on his way out as well, and the Packers have officially released Antonio Morrison, the inside linebacker who played a old-school brand of football and would try and maim you if you came over the middle of the field. But it sounds like it was more financial based. He uh, he had hit uh, some bonuses, so he was going to uh, get a two million dollar deal. Uh, Packers view that a bit too much and have waived him, but there's still rumors that he may come back on a smaller deal. And I guess, do you think there's a chance he could come back? Yeah, I definitely think there's a chance that he could come back. I mean, he'd be a nice depth option for the for the Packers and for Mike Patton's defense. And it's kind of sad, actually, if you think about it, that the the Packers did this, that Gutekunst did this. They're like, oh, you, you played well for us and you met your incentives, but we're going to cut you so that you avoid, you know, gathering those, basically. And uh, I, I hope that they do right by him in that respect because it does make me a little sad that they would cut him strictly because he met 
those performance incentives. But to be fair, he wasn't going to be worth the cost that those perform- that those performance incentives were going to make him cost. So I think his salary was going to come out to about two. Two million, a little bit, a little bit more than that, and uh, I don't think he was worth keeping on the roster at that point. So it's just sad the way that it happened. But you know, the NFL is a business, so the, the Packers got to do what the Packers got to do. No, I agree with you on that one. I do think that with Morrison, he's nah, he's a really only a first down player. He's a nice guy to have in your roster because he does have that hard edge show when he plays. And I think uh, some people wrote he he wrote, he writes he plays like you're legally insane he plays with his head on fire he plays like he's he wants to hit you and he wants to hurt you and he play and that kind of style is very very much gone in, in this league for the most part and having a guy like that i think does help you but you're right at that price, it's a bit much and it's a bit riskier to have that kind of money tied into another inside linebacker when you also got to think about maybe drafting one you got oren burks coming back you got to think of maybe paying blake martinez after next year so there's also, Jake Ryan is a free agent this year. There's a lot to think about in that position. And I think for $2 million, Morrison may have been just a little bit too much. I mean, all they did to give up him, they gave up Lindsey Pipkins, who I don't think is on a roster at all right now anyway. And so I do think that it's – it's you can take a look at it if you want to bring it back for less, but it's not a, I don't think it's a huge needle mover for me. And you could even maybe even use someone like James Crawford on their running downs if you need to. But I, I – Antonio Morrison, well, I hope the team does do right by him with with kind of way that this deal went down, cutting him financially. He he gave some good some good plays during the last year, and hopefully he'll catch on somewhere else. Definitely, and I think he earned that contract, though. You no, know, he I think he earned that contract. You're you're absolutely right. He did a he did a good job for the team. However, I do think it was time to move on, and we'll see what the team has now. But with that being said, it's time for our big free agency. I guess wrap around. There's a lot going on that happened on Friday as we head into Saturday, including a couple trades, uh, two big ones, and a couple signings as well, as well as a quick preview of what to expect in free agency. Uh, the calendar starts. It'll start Monday at noon Eastern. Legal tampering will begin. Teams can begin negotiating with players uh, who will, with the agents of players who will be unrestricted free agents. And of course, we saw that a lot last year with, with Jimmy Graham coming in early, and you saw a lot of those big deals get solidified fairly early on. Then on Wednesday at 3 o'clock is the beginning of the new league year. Free agency will officially begin. Trades will officially be consummated. And, of course, uh, tenders for restricted and exclusive rights free agents have to be in by that point as well. So with that being said, we'll, we'll look take a look at the moves right now that happened on Friday, and then we'll go into a little bit more later on of, of what to expect from the Packers once free agency does begin next week. Really, four major moves that happened on Friday. The first one is go, we're going to talk about the two trades. The first one happened Friday morning. The Cleveland Browns at New York Giants made a deal. And Kevin Zeitler, who was for quite a bit to Green Bay, of course, a Wisconsin player, uh, one of the best guards in the game. He is on his way to play for the New York football Giants. And in return, the Browns get Olivier Vernon, uh, uh, edge, pass rusher, defensive end, whatever you want to call him, but another big contract swinging back over to Cleveland. And it's kind of surprising to me that would give up a big contract for a big contract when Zeitler was playing so well for that team. Well, the Browns have Austin Corbett, who I would suppose they're really high on. I mean, I know I was high on Corbett coming into the draft last year, and it kind of looks like they just want to get him on the field and clear that salary um, of Zeitler, which was a little over $10 million, I think, a year. So they bring in Vernon to pair with Ogba and Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett, specifically Miles Garrett, along that front. And 
uh, Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett quickly becomes one of the most threatening pass rushing duos in the entire NFL. No, I agree. And if Vernon stays healthy, because he had some very good moments with the Giants. People forget about how good he was there, good how good he was with Miami as well, that he showed that he could be a game breaker, but he had some injury problems and he also has a bloated deal. But on the Giants end, getting Zeitler is a very good move for them because they need to shore up that offensive line, especially in, in the interior, and to keep Eli Manning upright and whatever quarterback they may end up drafting. But I think Zeitler... He is getting $10 million, so he's got a big deal, but I still think he's an underrated guard. He's one of the very best there is, and he doesn't get talked about enough with the with the DeCastros and with the, a few years ago, the Sittens and Langs and so on and so forth. But Zeidler, I thought, was right up there in that class. He definitely is, and I thought that he was a guy that the Packers could make a strong play for. Uh, I didn't know what the Browns would be looking for in return in terms of draft capital, but obviously they were looking to do a player-for-player player swap. I mean, uh, they wanted to get rid of Vernon's contract, and they did, and they also upgraded a vital part of their offense and then a massive hole in that offense as well in the guard position. And now they have Zeitler to pair with Will Hernandez. Pretty good tandem of guards there. Uh, Giants are on their way up, but sadly, they still need a quarterback. Eli Manning is not the answer anymore. However, they are working to improve that line. Uh, speaking of the offensive line, the Pittsburgh Steelers did make a trade today as well, um, which we could talk about now. Yeah, Marcus Gilbert, I think it was. He got sent to... I can't remember. Yeah, I'll let you fill in the details. So he got sent to the Cardinals for a sixth-round pick. That. That's a good deal for the Cardinals. Gilbert's a solid player. He's not going to be a, a completely guy who's going to reshape your lineup. He's a good guy to have on the right side, a big, powerful alignment. And Pittsburgh is shipping out basically anything that seems to – it seems like almost anything with legs is now being sent out by Pittsburgh, as we'll talk more about the the big ship a little bit later. But with someone like Marcus Gilbert, that's very interesting to see what he'll do in Arizona. And I think Pittsburgh's going to uh, greatly miss him. Yeah, and I think it's a great deal for both sides. Uh, Arizona uh, needed offensive line help so desperately, probably more desperately than the Giants did. Uh, they were starting a guy named Corey Cunningham at tackle. So I just, you know, hearing that, you could see how much help they needed on that offensive line. And Gilbert, the reason he came so cheaply is because... I don't think cheaply is a word, actually. It should be just be cheap. Anyway, the reason he was so cheap, uh, cheaply acquired from the Steelers is because he's had some injury problems. He was suspended for, I think, substance abuse all within the last couple of years. I, I've heard reports of anywhere. I haven't confirmed these numbers, but he's missed somewhere up to 20 games over the last two seasons. So that's kind of why he came so cheap. Um, but he definitely solidifies the line for the Cardinals, at least that position. Um, and he provides just a big, big upgrade from what they were working with last year. Absolutely. And then the the last trade we'll bring up that happened on Friday, at least it's reported. It sounds like it's it's almost done done deal, and that's going to be Michael Bennett going from Philadelphia to the to New England for it sounds like a late round pick. So the Eagles trying to shed some more salary. They are they came in over the cap into the offseason, so they needed to shed some salary, especially after the re-signing Brandon Graham. So it sounds like Michael Bennett's on his way out. He'll be on his way to New England. As the as the rich get richer, the Patriots get another good pass rusher. And whatever you think of Bennett off the field, he is a dynamic player when he's healthy and when he's on his game on the defensive line. Yeah, I think they swapped uh, picks or something like that. 
like the Patriots got uh, Bennett and a seventh, and then the Eagles got the Patriots fifth or something like that. You can look at the details, but honestly, it's a day three um, swapping of picks. Not super concerning to me. Um, I heard that Martellus Bennett, thou who shall not be named, is actually looking to return possibly to play with his brother since that was always their dream. So there might be even more reason to dislike New England in 2019. Sounds that's that's pretty accurate. Darth Hoodie strikes again, and it's time to go into the Death Star of New England and and drop that final photon or final uh, grenade. But so that's the last trade. A couple free agency moves that happened as well, though. The big one is going to shape the market, especially for the Packers. Uh, the safety market is starting to take a little bit of shape. Eric Weddle is on his way out west. He is going back to California, but not with the Chargers. He is signing with the Rams on a two-year deal. It's about $12.5 million for Weddle. Of course, at 34, he was cut by the Ravens a couple days ago. And he was a, he's was he been a good player. He's had a very good career, an underrated career from a lot, from over the past decade. He's been a very good safety for the Chargers and then the Ravens. And you described it as it's almost like the Rams are playing Madden right now as they're getting all these top-notch players. What do you think of the deal for Weddle? I just I just hate it because the rich get richer. I, I do not understand. And you, you can talk to people, and people will say that the, the, the cap is a myth. And to, the, to an extent, it's true. But also, to that same extent, it's, it is there to prevent players doing what you know the Golden State Warriors can do in the NBA. Like, but somehow, the Rams are finding a way. The Eagles, too. Both teams are finding ways to maximize that cap space every single year. Uh, and I have to applaud both Les Snead and Howie Roseman because both of those general managers, um, Snead of the Rams and Roseman of the Eagles, both those guys are just fantastic roster churners. Uh, Bill Belichick is also up there in you know, back-end roster churning and draft capital acquisition or, you know, utilization, I should say. Um, but basically, it's just, I don't understand how they're able to keep adding all these superstars and all these really good players. And a guy like Eric Weddle is going to be really good for that defense. He's going to be an intelligent leader in the back, an intelligent voice. And his intelligence is the biggest reason why he's still playing at 34 and still playing at a high level. And I, I got a couple quick responses to that as well. You talk about the Rams and Eagles specifically well the reason they can get all these stars is they have quarterbacks on rookie deals uh golf and once haven't gotten paid yet that's going to happen very shortly and when that happens we'll see what happens with with the, those two teams and whether they have to get rid of someone like a Weddle in, in one year or a marcus peters in a little bit of keep to leave or for the eagles case like a jordan hicks or well you've heard rumors of tim jernigan and or like a lane johnson even on the offensive end for them once these quarterbacks get paid on the other end, for the Rams, with them signing Weddle, I think that confirms that LaMarcus Joyner will not be coming back to the Rams. So Weddle officially comes off the market, but Joyner, I think, now is officially going to be going on the market with Weddle signing. So that puts another name out there for the Packers as well. Uh, another move that happened as well today as well, or on Friday, I should say, was TJ Lang was officially released by the Detroit Lions, the former Packer. I know a lot of people have been talking about Bringing him back in, I wonder what will happen with that. It sounds like he may, he's leaning toward retirement as well. But I do have to say, before we do analysis, I did appreciate how he broke the news himself when he tweeted out a a uh, screenshot from the classic movie Friday saying, how are you going to get fired on your day off? And so props to TJ Lang for the humor on that and the levity with his release. But 
we may see a, a, a former great Packers career come to an end today with TJ Lang. I don't see the Packers bringing him back in, but you never know. But those injuries are no joke with what he suffered the past couple of years. Yeah, and I was commenting on this briefly on Twitter today. I think I was having a conversation with another po- uh, Pack-A-Day podcaster, Mark Eckel, and we were talking about bringing Lang in. Um, it, one thing we didn't talk about was how serious his concussions were, uh, and it was not something I had realized until I dove a little bit further into it later today, or yesterday, I should say, later yesterday. Um, and his 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 concussions were legitimately concerning moving forward, and it would not be surprising if he did retire. However, if the Packers did decide to bring him in, he's only 31 years old. I don't think he would come in at a too steep of a price tag. I, I imagine the market would be pretty good for him. I imagine he would have some competition with some other teams around the league as far as for his services, but I... Um, I think that he'd be a fine, fine option for the Packers, at least for a Band-Aid for the next couple of years. And uh, they could go into the draft and get one of those fourth or fifth round guys that they like to get and kind of groom him to take over in one or two years. Yeah, when you, when you, take, when you look at it that way, I think it could be a decent, decent move. But I also look back at how what happened with Sam Shields and with how they treated his concussion. I think Lang's is the same way. Plus, Lang plays a much more dangerous uh, position with the head with how much contact there is on the lines and as when, and plus he's had some neck problems as well. And I, I, I think he's going to hang it up. I think TJ's, I think TJ may go the John Kuhn route and sign like a one year deal, one day deal with green Bay. I think he's going to retire a Packer, but I do think he is probably going to lead toward retirement. And I think that's going to be a little, that might be the best for him long-term. But either way, it could be interesting to see if number 70 comes back and whether he makes Alex like change his number and I guess lastly, before we do a quick free agency preview, the big one that Packers fans are talking about everywhere and a lot of other fans is the Bills tenure of Antonio Brown, which lasted all of about 20 minutes and a lot of egg on Ian Rappaport's face. But Antonio Brown has not been traded yet. There well, can, was... I, can I stop on that for a second? Yeah, go ahead. For Ian Rappaport, he didn't do anything wrong. No. Okay. All. So all. all he said was closing in on a deal. And I think for as many times as he's broken news i i do feel like people are being a little harsh on him and i think that it's not necessarily like sometimes when uh reporters will go on twitter they break news and it's wrong they'll get massacred i don't think that's necessarily happening with Rappaport. i think everybody's just kind of like pushing you know poking fun at him however if you read his tweet it legitimately said closing in on a deal and so like I was I was reading uh, I was reading back on it uh, this morning because I just wanted to see this like evolution of events and um, yeah all he said was closing in on a deal and the next thing you know the Bills are backing out and if you read all the corresponding reports the Bills just decided at the last minute that they, that they did not want to pay the price for a guy who might not want to play in Buffalo and for a guy that they're going to have to pay themselves and so I. As far as Rappaport goes, I'm not sure the how how substantial the egg was actually on his face. No, I'm with you on that. I think he's getting kind of an unfair unfair rap on this one, pun partially intended. But I but I do think that I think is almost a cautionary tale for other reporters as well to maybe wait just a bit to break some stuff. But you're right; it, it said closing in on there was there were significant talks, but then he said Buffalo backed out. There also came a report later in the night uh, from an ESPN reporter, I, I can't remember her name, unfortunately, but saying that the Packers were a team that was in talks about. Then uh, early earlier Friday morning, 
uh, other beat reporters from the Packers news, as well as Demosky came out and said, the Packers are not involved with talks with the Steelers. They're not talking about Antonio Brown. And so they're contradicting reports on the Packers front about that. And then, and then later on Friday evening, a Pittsburgh beat writer said that a deal is imminent again, but he did not specify a team. So there's so much going on with Antonio Brown, and I'm I'm starting to get sick of it a little bit because I personally do not want the Green Bay to go anywhere near what he's what he's asking for or what he would bring to the team. I think it's I think the risk way always the reward for a 31 year old wide receiver. But Tyler, I'll, I'll ask you, what are your thoughts on the rumors of the Packers and Antonio Brown? You know, as a fan, as just a straight up fan of football and a fan of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and that offense, it's incredibly exciting. However, when you step back and you look at it from a realistic standpoint and what is going to have to happen behind closed doors, what is going to have to happen on the football field, what is going to have to happen logistically, and what, what the Packers are going to have to give up as far as draft capital or even a player if there's somebody that the Steelers are even interested in, it's just too much. You know, to, to bring him in, the talent does not outweigh the headache. And I think that's the that's the biggest question you have to ask ask and answer is does the talent outweigh the headache? And I don't think it does for Antonio Brown. And that's the sad thing. And that's where he's at in his career right now. And he he's said repeatedly he wants to be the number one guy. He's not going to be in Green Bay, or he wouldn't be in Green Bay. He wants to get a new deal. Green Bay doesn't necessarily have the money to throw twenty million dollars at a receiver for three or four years. I. I don't think Gutekunst wants to bring that type of mentality that Antonio Brown possesses into the Packers locker room when he's been shipping guys out left and right for criticizing the coaching staff or other players openly in public. I just don't think he wants to bring that type of player into his locker room when he's done so much to clean, to shed his locker room of that. And it's just all of that stuff compounded. It just doesn't make sense. It's not a good fit. And people talk about the Packers being in a win now a win now mentality because of Rogers' age. Well, that's just a, that's just lazy. That's just lazy reasoning, and I just don't think overall it's a good fit in Green Bay for Antonio Brown. No, I agree, and you summed that up better than I could have. So we'll leave it at that. So now as we'll take, we'll use our last or remaining few minutes here on the Packaday Podcast to look toward free agency again. That'll uh, tampering starts Monday. Actual contract can be agreed to on Wednesday. And there's there's a fairly big market for what the Packers have needs at, especially in the secondary. There's a lot of top-notch safeties out there, and I want one of them in Green Bay, whether it's Earl Thomas or Landon Collins or even someone like LaMarcus Joyner or whoever. I There needs to be and some safeties brought in through free agency. That has to happen. Line and edge are a little bit more barren but there's still some good names out there as well and then of course there's trades a lot of talk with the the guys who are franchise tag namely Jadavian Clowney D Ford and Frank Clark that teams are talking with them uh, that's been overshadowed by the Antonio Brown saga but there's a lot out there for the Packers to do and I guess so Tyler when when you look toward Wednesday what are you looking for the uh, Brian Gutekinds to do Monday afternoon and going into Wednesday I I don't know if any of the top free agents are a good fit in Green Bay right now, other than possibly Earl Thomas. But even with Earl Thomas, there's there's severe like concerns about his longevity from a health standpoint and the money that he's going to demand. Now the safety market is becoming it's 
beginning to become a little bloated. And that's just going to work in the Packers' favor. I, I think that they need to go into this free agency period and walk out with two veterans, and then you go into the draft expecting to draft one. And I, I think that they could easily rehaul the safety position and do it effectively and efficiently and not throw a ton of resources at it. And as far as a pass rusher goes, that's where it's going to get tricky. Um there's a good chance that if Green Bay wants to get into the veteran pass musher market, whether it's through free agency or via trade, they're going to have to overpay. And I don't, I don't want Green Bay to sit there, sit on their hands for the first couple of weeks and then be like, okay, now we need to get somebody and then drastically overpay for somebody who's not worth overpaying for. There's only a couple of, a couple of edge rushers in this class that I would say are worth overpaying for. And that's probably Jadavian Clowney and maybe, maybe, maybe Preston Smith. But that is it. Nobody else in this class is worth paying a substantial amount of money for. And that's just the way it's going to go. Uh, on the market, I, I would like to see them maybe take a stab at C.J. Mosley. Uh, if his price tag is not as rich as it sounds, it sounds like he could be demanding anywhere from 15 to 16 million. Uh, I think that's a little bit too much for an inside linebacker. Although he's incredibly impactful, and it's it was solidified position that they've had problems at for years. And Patton. Patton's an interesting guy because he doesn't value the edge position. He values his inside linebacker, and he values his safety. And so I think that that's the direction we could see the defense go in this year. I don't feel like LaFleur is going to have a lot of say on it. Why would he? I don't know how much say McCarthy had in the past, but I feel like it's going to be Gutekunst and Patton uh, searching through free agency to kind of find those pieces that he wants or that he needs to make his system work to, to its fullest. And then they're going to look into the the draft to uh, satisfy their offensive needs because the offensive needs are, are more depth-based and future-based rather than right now, other than the guard position, which I think they could easily address with a lower-level free agent or a mid-round uh, draft pick. So there's a lot of things that the Packers are going to have to consider, but I think that they definitely need to focus on defense and free agency and offense in the draft. Um, I didn't see a tender for uh, Geronimo Allison. That makes me sad. I, wanted to, I wonder if they're going to try and bring him back on a cheap deal, but I think they might get outpriced. Uh, by another team because I think he's going to get offers from another team. So <laughs> I just went out of rambling. Uh, I, I just rambled for about three minutes there. But basically, there's a lot. There's a lot that can happen by Wednesday or and for the next couple of weeks to follow that could shape the rest of the offseason. No, I agree with you. And I think as far as with Geronimo Allison, I do think there will be a tender sent. Uh, they still have till Wednesday to do it. I think they're still working on what, what which tier of tender they want to submit for Geronimo Allison, whether it is that second round tender or whether it's the original draft position at tender, which they would get nothing uh, if another team signed him to an offer sheet as well. Uh, but personally, for me, I do want just throw a second round tender. I think I think that's what they're going to do eventually. I think they need to eventually make the decide financially. But I think personally, for me, I, I want one of those top safeties. Earl Thomas would be ideal, but I do think they they should they need to bring in a veteran to kind of anchor that room along with Tremont Williams being that 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 older guy, that grizzled veteran who can really help out. And and when you look at the edge market, for me, I think the only guy worth trading for would be Clowney. Uh, I think he'd be well worth pick 30. Uh, he's He is that impactful, whether people want to admit it or not. He is not busted at, as the number one pick. He has been a, a stellar player for Houston. And he I think he'd be well worth every penny you'd pay him. But outside of that, Preston Smith's a little iffy. I think he could be solid, but outside... 
other than that, I'd like to take a maybe take a run at one of the, the veterans that are out there and give him like a Julius Peppers type incentive lace deal, whether it is a Justin Houston when he gets released or a Terrell Suggs who's a free agent or a Cameron Wake or someone like that to really kind of and show these young guys how to actually rush a pass or how to have a counter move, how to be able to use your hands and use the gifts that you have to get to the quarterback and then address the edge in, in the draft. This is a good edge class in the draft. We all know that. And and bring in some of those lower-level guys as well on day two, day three of free agency. But don't overspend right away and just take your time. And the other spot would be I'd look at a slot receiver. I'll look at like a Cole Beasley, an Adam Humphreys, a John Brown maybe, depending on the price. And look at that market, see what's going on. And so just really just be wise in free agency. Don't, don't fall for all the flash and the dash and, and everything that's going to be coming at your screen when you're looking on, on, on Wednesday morning of – this this team's agreed the terms with here. There's agreed the terms with here and here and here and here. And that's how we that's how fans got are now mad at Jimmy Graham because that's what happened with him last year with with Green Bay and and now look at now a lot of people want him to be cut or released or traded or whatever. Trust Brian Gutekunst, let him take his time, but I think he as like the Julius Peppers move of maybe Charles Woodson or Ryan Pickett or or what what Thompson did in the past. Gutekunst is a little bit of an offshoot of that, but a little more aggressive. But I think he'll take just a couple more steps to make sure that he has the right guys for this team. I, I completely agree. And the Packers don't necessarily have a ton of money to deal with. I mean, they've got good money. Like, they've got a good amount. But they don't necessarily have a ton. Um, and so they're going to have to be careful about who they choose to spend money on if they choose to spend money. Um, I do think if they retain Allison... If they retain Allison, I don't see a need for them to bring in anybody else. Uh, you've got enough guys on the roster with upside, and you have guys that can fill out the back end of the roster. And even if they if they retain Allison, I still think they're carrying possibly six receivers into 2019 out of this group that they have now. So it, it's it's receiver is I think uh, in reference to the old Dr. Seuss story about the Lorax. It's a need. You know, something you think you need, but it's not necessarily a, a, a jarring need. Um, and I think if they retain Jarmo Allison, I think that'll be their fix for that position. If they can put a second-round tender on him, it's like it's a little over $2 million for next year. I think that's perfect for him. I think he's earned that contract. I think he's earned that deal, uh, at least the opportunity to keep playing for the Packers. It, he had injuries last year that kind of derailed his season, but... I think Geronimo Allison could be – he could be in, t- in line to break out even further in 2019. Well, so then to make things full circle, you get rid of the t- $2 million, you would give Morrison, give it to Allison. That could be the Packers' logic right there. So at this point, I guess we'll wrap things up. We're at the half-hour mark for this Packaday podcast. So, Tyler Grizzagork, where can people find you? What are you working on now that the draft guide's out? Yeah, so as always, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Tyler underscore Grez. And uh, yeah, so I did I did do my uh, submission. I did do the submission for the draft guide. It's it's in, so that is done. Uh, my defensive line rankings are in. I can't. I don't want to talk about them right now. I don't want to take away from the draft guide, but it's kind of a shift now to just uh, the draft in general on my Twitter page. I do have a little bit of a personal announcement coming up at the end of the month um, that I will. I will put out there later. Um, I, I the biggest thing I'm working on right now is that uh, 
Packers tendencies spreadsheet, which I posted on my my Twitter page. If you want to check it out, I posted it or pinned it to the top, I should say. Uh, it's got all of the historical tendencies that Justice Mosqueda broke down a couple of years ago. I've been kind of taking um, and taking those numbers and applying them to each draft class, and um, I think it applied to it was about seventy percent of the draft picks last year. So it's still pretty pretty rock solid numbers. Uh, it's worth taking a look at. Uh, if you have some time. Absolutely. And you can always find me on or at Mike Wendland, all one word. And with my basketball broadcasting season all done, I'm turning my attention toward baseball as well as football. So you can find me on Twitter and, and you can always contact me and message me there. I'll be responding to questions about multiple sports as well and getting ready for everything Wisconsin based as well. And of course, follow us again at Packet a podcast. They retweet and follow all of the great contributors here and check out them as well. There's so many great people who do so much great work with the podcast itself and with their own personal stuff that they do as well. It's it's truly an incredible thing to see all the great people we have here at Packaday as well. And again, check us out on on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever podcasts are, Cheesehead TV as well. We will be there as well. So, so for Tyler, this is Mike saying so long. Stay tuned again for more Packaday podcast action tomorrow. And so until next time, go Pack Go! Shotgun formation, a third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! it over, starts to his left, now he moves, starts to the right side, snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, being flushed, rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone, it's hot, what did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown! Yes! 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 Green Bay Packers. <laughs>